Hello, my name is Terry Hollifield, and I'm one of the pastors of Reach Life Church. We want to welcome you to our celebration of Resurrection Sunday. So whether you're part of one of our missional community groups during the week, which we would, in high, we would highly encourage you to be part of, um, and look those up on our website to see if you might be interested in something like that. Or if you're not part of one of those, but you're part of our larger church body, or if you're not part of our church body at all, welcome. We are happy to celebrate what we call Resurrection Sunday um, as Christians and as Reach Life Church. Today is the day that we have set aside to celebrate as Christians that Jesus died and was buried three days and rose from the grave, proving everything that he said about himself was true. Now, to read that account from the scriptures for us today are going to be two of our covenant members with Reach Life Church, Tim and Chelsea Lewis. So I'm going to turn it over to them. Hi, Tim and Chelsea. Thanks for reading the scriptures for us today. Hey, what's up, Reach Life? This is Tim and Chelsea Lewis. Um, just coming from the home. Hoping you guys are doing well with everything that's going on. Um, today's scripture reading is going to be from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. We're going to read it for you right now. It says, After the Sabbath, at the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and other Mary and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. Then came, they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. All right. Resurrection Sunday. Sunday. We are glad that he is risen. You guys take care and I hope to see you guys soon. That event that you just read about is the reason that Christians around the world today, many of us sheltered in place, but we are united today around the world celebrating uh, this thing called Easter with, with everyone else in the world. But for us, it means a whole lot more than that. It's, it's also the day literally in history, again, where Jesus rose from the dead. In fact, it's not only why Christians are celebrating today. It's why Christians throughout history, literally tens of billions of people throughout history gather every week on what we call the Lord's Day on Sunday. Every week, that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And so we celebrate that actually every week. But today is a special day for, for the Resurrection Sunday, and we're celebrating that. It's why we are the church. Without that event, there's no church. But we're grateful that we are the church, and we're grateful that Jesus has risen. Um, now, today, I want to give to you a very uh, straightforward, plain, clear message about so what. And what I mean by that is you may have grown up in a Christian environment, or even if you didn't grow up in a Christian environment, but you grew up in the United States, you're familiar with this idea that Christians believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And so because that's part of our culture, you, it may be just not a big deal to you anymore. 
And so what I want to focus on today is, is the so what. Jesus rose from the dead. So what? I want to dig into that idea. Now, if you're one of our note takers, we have a congregation of people that love to take notes and dig into the Bible. Today, great to take notes. We're going to be going through lots of passages today. So don't feel like you need to follow and flip along. Just take notes and look them up later. But, but keep your, um, your, your fingers ready to go. We're going to look at lots of passages today. The reason I want to talk about that, again, uh, the so what, is because if we've grown up around this idea that Jesus rose from the dead, we may have been uh, sort of an inoculated to it in a way that, that a vaccine might work. You get a little bit of something so that when the big amount of that something comes, you don't, it's not really effective to you. Well, when it comes to the, the reality that Jesus rose from the dead, being inoculated from that is not a good thing. And so I kind of want to shake us up this morning and have us see the reality of so what? So what that Jesus rose from the dead? I want to give you an illustration that I think shows us how we should in our hearts react with the fact that, or to the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. I, I read a pastor one time who gave an illustration about this, and he said that he had some friends who were unable to conceive children. And they, although they couldn't conceive children on their own, they wanted to adopt, and they ended up adopting a child from China. And what they didn't know was that the child didn't speak any English at all. And they had wanted to not just share the joy of their home with the child, but also share the joy of their hearts with the child, the joy of Jesus with the child. So they, they wanted to do that, and they had seen this pastor who, who was telling the story. They had seen him give um, teachings and things on Greek words and Hebrew words, so they thought maybe he can figure out a little Chinese as well, a little Mandarin as well. So they took the child to the pastor's office and wanted him to try to share the gospel with her. And he tells the story of it working out. He said, they brought the little one to my office for a little evangelism. She trembled at the sight of me. And as she entered, she was clutching a small black leather book that I assumed to be her travel documents. I was wrong. As we made a few feeble efforts at cross-cultural communication, I thought I noticed her little hand that held the black book trembling. I decided to go out on a limb and simply said, Jesus? With that, her tiny little fingers reached for a pad of paper on my desk, and she drew what looked like a stick figure baby in a cradle. I said, Jesus? She drew another picture, this time several larger stick figures, but one larger than all the others. And again, I said, Jesus? Now we're on a roll. She drew still another picture, three crosses the one in the middle much larger than the ones flanking it. And I said, Jesus. Then she drew a stick figure laying prostrate on a slab. She took the edge of her pencil blade and scribbled what looked like a dark canopy over it. And I whispered, Jesus. Then with real animation, she began to draw what looked like lightning bolts coming from the prostrate figure. But her artistic efforts were less than satisfying, and I know that because she ripped off the page, wadded it into a ball, and threw it in the corner. And with that, she cupped her little hands like this, and with a quick release, she said, pow! Right? She's trying to describe what it means 
that Jesus rose from the dead. She's trying to describe the so what, right? And that should be our soul's reaction to the great news of Jesus's resurrection. It should be like a pow in our souls. And I don't know if I'll get that effect today, but that's what I want to encourage you to see is that should be our soul's response. Now I want to pause here and say, and, and recognize the fact that you may be, um, you may be skeptical about the idea of Jesus raising from the dead. And I want to tell you that's okay. It's fine to be skeptical, but I want you to be encouraged also to be skeptical about your skepticism. In other words, don't just be content. I've got questions. Who knows the answers? I don't really know, and I'm okay with that. No, no, no. Be honest, right? Be honest enough to dig in and find real answers because they're there. Uh, And so be skeptical about your skepticism. Let's dig in together and talk about that. Um, And so what I'm going to encourage you to do, I'm going to put a link down in the description box of the YouTube video. And it's going to be a link to a series of very short videos that talk about whether or not we can trust this, the Christian idea about the historical nature of Jesus and his rising from the dead. And let me encourage you to at least watch the first video. It's only seven minutes long, but then come back to me. My email address is also going to be in the description box. It's just terry at reachlifechurch.org. And let's start a conversation about that. Maybe this will be a beginning or a a place that to launch your investigation of Jesus. So I would encourage you to dig into that. So Christianity is a historical religion. These things really happened. There was a man named Jesus of Nazareth who really lived and died and was buried. And three days later, he literally bodily was resurrected and now lives. These things actually happened. You can go to the Judean hill country and realize and see the places. Like you can walk the streets. You can see the tomb where Jesus was. It's empty, by the way. That's why we're celebrating today. Lives were changed because of that event. History was changed because of that event. These are not just stories. These are histories. These are not fables or legends. They are records of history. So the resurrection of Jesus is true. Jesus is God. He is who he says he is. He's risen and he is alive. And that fact has some major implications. And that's what I want to focus our time in on today. And again, we're going to be pulling from all over the New Testament. Just lock in and follow along. If you're a note taker, just write down the references and we'll move forward. When we um, trust the forgiveness of our sins to Jesus, there are certain things that follow. The first thing I want you to see is that because Jesus is risen, we have seen the power of the real God, right? The, The book of Ephesians chapter one tells us that It is the power of our heavenly father that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Ephesians says this, the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age, but also in the one to come. In the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, we've seen the real power of the real God in action. We have a clear demonstration of his power. Second thing I want you to see, because Jesus is risen, we have proof that Jesus is the real God who is actually there. 
That may be groundbreaking for you, but that's what exactly we see because Jesus is risen from the dead. That's exactly what God the Father wanted to communicate to us. And by the way, let me pause. When I say God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit throughout this talk, I'm not talking about three gods. Christians believe that there's only one God. But God is comprised of three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. One God, three persons. Again, if you want to talk about that, hit me up on my email address. That'll be down in the description box. But in raising Jesus from the dead, the Father was showing that Jesus is God. And that's what we see in the, the Gospel of John. We call it the Gospel of John because it means the good news about John. The good news is the truth about Jesus. So in John's Gospel, he's speaking of Jesus. In the opening of his book, the first, if, if maybe somebody's witnessing to you about Jesus or trying to tell you about Jesus, they may have you start reading the Bible in the Gospel of John. It opens with this. In the beginning was the word. That's a, that's a Greek word that means the reason, the powering principle behind all things. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, right? God the Son, in the context, if you keep reading there in John, he's talking about Jesus. That's a theological claim that John is making. Jesus is God, and we only have that passage in our Bibles today. Check this out because it's true. And the reason we have it is because it's true, and we know it's true because Jesus rose from the dead. There would be no ending for the book of John if there hadn't been a beginning of the book of John where John said in the beginning the Word was with God and the Word was God. Uh, the Jews crucified Jesus, in fact, because Jesus was claiming to be God, Jesus accepted worship, Jesus forgave sins, things like that, making himself equal with the Father. His enemies got it. Jesus was claiming to be God, and they killed him for it. And the resurrection of Jesus demonstrates that Jesus' claim to be God is true. The third thing I want you to see that follows because Jesus is risen is because Jesus is risen, our faith, our salvation is secure. Romans 10 tells us this. We're told how to be saved. That is how to be forgiven of our sins, how to be made right with God, how to be reconciled with our creator. Romans says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that's referring to him as king, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's tremendous news. That's great news. This means that, well, it means that you can't be a Christian unless you believe that Jesus bodily rose from the dead. The great news is that it also means it's not a matter of you living a perfect life. It's not a matter of you getting it right enough. It's not a matter of sitting in a church building when we're able to do that again every Sunday, right? It's not about that. It's not about being more moral than somebody else. It's only trusting in Jesus, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will, not might, you will be saved. But if you put your trust in Jesus, that will applies to you. That is great news because Jesus is risen. The next thing that follows because Jesus is risen is that all of the teachings of Jesus are actually true. He has, he has uh, put his action where his words are. Right? Jesus is, is uh, practicing what he preaches. He says he's God and he proves it. Jesus' teachings then concerning uh, 
heaven and hell and what is sinful and what is holy and how to love best and how to walk this human existence, our future reckoning before God, all of that is true. And we can know that because Jesus rose from the dead. We see that again from the Apostle John who tells us this. Actually, John doesn't tell us this. John records Jesus telling us this. Jesus says, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. And Jesus says, listen, if you don't just believe his words, check out his resurrection from the dead and believe because of that. Therefore, all of his teachings are true. Also true because Jesus has risen. And this may be shocking to you. This may sound weird and crazy to you, but check it out. Because Jesus is risen, our own resurrection from the dead is true. It's a certainty. We can count on it. It's amazing. Uh, again, that may sound weird, but check out what the Bible tells us about it. In 1 Thessalonians, it says, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that's what we're talking about today, but since that is true, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him, when Jesus returns, those who have fallen asleep. Fallen asleep is a euphemism for having died. And as a pastor, I've um, had the unfortunate privilege, you know, get what I mean by that, of being by the bedside of people in the process of dying and who have died. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, Christians grieve just like everybody else when people die. There's something in the human heart that recognizes that death and suffering, and difficulty, uh, something's wrong. When a loved one dies, it rocks us, and we're like, man, it shouldn't be like that, and we are right. But the Bible makes sense of that, and I'm telling you, only the Bible makes sense of that. We recognize that death is an intruder, and that death will ultimately be defeated. See, Christians... Uh, Mourn, but we don't mourn as those who have no hope. We do not grieve without hope. Let me read uh, the whole, I just quoted 1 Thessalonians to you. I'm gonna read the, the passage that that's contained in and you'll see what I mean. You'll see why we can have hope even in the midst of this kind of suffering. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18 say, but we do not want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters about those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, till he returns, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself, that's Jesus, will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ, that is, those who have died while having faith in Jesus, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Those who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. The Apostle Paul says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. It's encouraging. Our, we, our, the grave does not stop our lives. We are being prepared for a place right now 
with our loved ones that have gone before us who have placed their faith in Jesus, and we who have placed our faith in Jesus will join them and ultimately, more importantly, join him. That we can know because Jesus is risen. The next thing that I want us to see that follows from Jesus having risen from the dead is that because Jesus is risen from the dead, we have power, real power, to live the Christian life. We really can have deliverance from the bondage of sin in our lives. We don't have to be a slave to sin anymore. The book of Romans chapter 5 tells us, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, listen to this, much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life because Jesus is risen from the dead. The Apostle Paul continues in the next chapter of Romans, chapter 6. He says, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Walk in newness of life. We don't have to walk according to our own ways. We don't have to... Um, be slaves to our own sinful desires. We really can walk in newness of life right here, right now. You know, people ask me, and how can I live this Christian life? It's it's tough. And I'm like, of course it's tough. If, if, if this were the easy path, everybody would be doing it, right? Um, but it, it, it can be tough, especially if you do it under your own power. In fact, it's not only tough, it's impossible that way. But we can live in the same power that actually raised Jesus from the dead. We don't have to do it under our own power. So don't get overburdened uh, by the process of life and, and seeing that it's impossible to live up to God's standards. If you feel overly burdened or uh, sort of depressed or pushed down by that reality, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, that shows that you've kind of put the cart before the horse so to speak. See, we don't, we don't give our best efforts of living uh, good lives to somehow attain God's power. That's not how that works. It's not how any of this works, right? It's not how it's supposed to be. Um, God saves us from our sins. He forgives us. He then gives us the power to live lives that are how humans are meant to live, a life that's in good fellowship, clean fellowship with the God who made us. But rather, once he's given us that power in Jesus, God gives us his spirit so that we can then go on and live holy lives. So when we fall short um, and we feel beat down by that, it's because we're seeking some humanistic, some self-centered way of achieving righteousness. Well, that's not possible. We can't achieve righteousness that way, but we are enabled to live righteously because we are surrendering control of our lives to God's Spirit. That's the third person of that one triune being is God. Father sent the Son who died for our sins and rose from the grave. And He has the Son has sent God's Spirit to dwell in His followers and allow us to live lives that are redeemed and powerful and holy. But we have to do it His way. Thankfully, He will enable us to do that. The last thing that I want you to see is maybe a very controversial thing, but pull in here close with me. Because Jesus is risen, 
Jesus will be the rightful judge of the world. The Apostle Paul tells us in Acts chapter 17, Paul was speaking to the Athenians, and he says, Because he, God the Father, has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him, that man, from the dead. The Apostle Paul is talking about Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus means that he will raise up everyone who ever lived. We will stand before him. Some will be raised to eternal presence with Jesus. We get That's our great hope of heaven. And some to eternal separation from Jesus. And Jesus will be the judge that determines that. You know, Tupac made the, the famous, or the saying famous, only God can judge me. And people kind of have that attitude as if that's a freeing thing. It is not. It actually should be kind of a scary thing that God will judge us because the way God's going to judge us is based on Jesus's life. So, so check this out. We will either be able to live a not good, perfect life like Jesus did on the earth. None of us are perfect, are we? We can either live a perfect life and be judged by God as righteous. We can't do that, so we're going to be guilty. Or, or we can allow Jesus in his sinless life to be put on our credit. Jesus offers that right now. Jesus offers to have our sin put on him on the cross and his righteousness put on us when we place our faith in him. That is incredible news. We do not have to despair in the fact that we can't be perfect. If we put our faith in Jesus, he offers to count his righteousness as our righteousness right now. We don't have to stand before him and get judgment. He's offering mercy right here, right now, today. Maybe up until today, you've been searching. Um, you've been seeking meaning and purpose in life. And I'm here to tell you that the purpose has found you. His name is Jesus. Listen, it's by no mistake that you are listening or watching this message today. Not because I'm great, but because Jesus is great. He has ordered time and space, even this weird pandemic, so that you could be here online to see and listen to the truth about Jesus. Same thing was true about his dying, arising from the dead. The Bible tells us that it happened at the right time. I think this is the right time for us all, including you, to hear about Jesus. Um, a further question about that might be, if we're looking to be made right with the God who made us and he's provided a way, where else would you go? Where else would you go? In the Bible's last book, the Apostle John again sees a vision of the risen Jesus. In the book of Revelation, John tells us this, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead but he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I, Jesus, have the keys to death and Hades. Jesus has those keys. It's this Jesus. This is who I'm begging you to put your trust in 
today. Pastor uh, and theologian Dr. Erwin Lutzer uh, wrote about a meet, about meeting a man who had converted from Buddhism to Christianity. And in that book, Dr. Lutzer asked the man what convinced him to follow Jesus Christ over Buddha. And the former Buddhist, now Christian, said this. It's like this. If you were walking along and came to a fork in the road where two men were there, and one of them is in a casket with a sign overhead that reads, Follow me, and I will show you an eightfold path to reincarnation. That's where you get to suffer and try to do better next time. And another man was standing there with scars in his hands and feet and said, Because I died and now live, you shall live also. And the guy asked, Which man would you follow? And I'm encouraging you to follow Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he offers all of those things to you. And I pray that you will follow the risen King Jesus.